0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. I'm Emily Lavender, and I've got Scott and Dawn Smith here with me again today to finish up their series called "Train Your Mouth for Marriage." So, this final session we're going to cover today is called "Say What You Need to Say." Cue John Mayer. Mm-hmm.
1: Say what you need to say. Cue John. Oh, you Mayer. don't. Want May- oh, okay. <laughs> I thought she said cue Scott singing Not John God. Mayer. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, in this one, we want to talk about guys. This whole idea of what needs to be said. Say what you need to say. If we think of it this way, our marriage is not going to get any better than our words. If you're married and you're listening, think about it this way. With the words you and your spouse have spoken to each other over the past seven days, what has it done for your marriage? Has it encouraged your marriage? Is your marriage better? Or has it discouraged you? Are you in a rut as a result of how you have been speaking? Or maybe you're not even speaking right now. Um, we want to encourage your words to be life-giving. Every, every good marriage is filled with good words. There's no way around it. If you want to have a good marriage, if you want to have a great marriage, you're going to have to have good words. It's just it is a principle from God's Word. Paul says it this way to the Ephesians. In Ephesians four twenty nine. he said it this way, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So simply ask you this, recently have any unwholesome words proceeded from my mouth towards my partner? And if so, what do I need to do about it? Paul says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but check this, only such a word as is good for edification. So ask yourself, are my words right now building my partner up or are they tearing my partner down? Very seldom I find, guys, are they neutral words. Our words are either positive or they're negative. They're building others up or they're tearing others down. So Paul says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, which takes, it requires us to be discerning in the spirit of God. In, in essence to say, today, Lord, what does my partner need to hear from me? Do I need to give affirming words that we'll talk about in a moment? Do I need to give a word of challenge? Do I need to give a word of caution? Do I need to give A word from your word. Do I need to pray your word over my partner right now? Let your word, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Now check this out, that it may give grace to those who hear. The words of our mouth that are directed by the Spirit of God into the life and heart and mind of our partner will give grace to those who hear it. Now, let me say this parenthetically. There may be times that you say what needs to be said to your partner, but they may not be able to hear it at that point in time. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 27, 6 puts it this way. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. There are times that in marriage that we have to speak the truth in love, Ephesians four fifteen, to one another. But we may know our partner may not have the ears and or the ability to hear what we need to say. This is what Dawn will do with me. Dawn knows if she needs to speak a word to me that she knows I am not likely to be receptive to, she will often lovingly touch me, often put her hand on my arm or on my shoulder, and she will ask this request. She will say, Honey, can I say something to you? And all she's doing there, guys, is simply this. She she is giving a petition to me. In essence, she is preparing my heart to say, Honey, I have something that is concerning to me. If you listen to our previous episode where I would leave fires in the fireplace, that was one uh, several years ago where Dawn addressed it. We were leaving the house, coming into the church, and on the drive in, I was driving, Dawn placed her arm on me and looked at me, and I knew she was here it comes (laughs) but she did it emily in such a way that she prepared me for it she said honey can i say something to you and when she said what needed to be said she asked in a loving petitioning way can i say something to you now In that moment, I knew she was trying to prepare my heart. Mm -hmm. So I needed to then prepare my heart, watch over my heart with all discipline, Proverbs 4.23, for from what's about to come out of me will flow the issues of life. And so I basically said, sure, but I knew, okay, Father, prepare me to hear what I'm about to hear from Dawn. And so she said, it unsettles me when we leave a fire going in the fireplace, Now, I'll be honest, Emily, in that moment, in that moment, my flesh, my flesh man wanted to respond with words such as, that is dumb. Mm -hmm. That is so insane. A fireplace is made to contain a fire. I could have said all that. But fortunately, I was able to hear God's spirit. I didn't hear some kind of voice, I had the Spirit of God within me that gave me the presence of mind to be temperate in my response to her. And so when she gave me that request, I heard it. I filtered it for a few moments. I didn't respond right away. And then a verse that has been in my memory bank since about 2007 came to mind. Proverbs 3.27 says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Dawn said what needed to be said in the spirit of love, Ephesians 4.15. She did it not letting any unwholesome way come out of it. She prepared my heart. And then God said to me through the spirit of God within me, each of us who are children of God have the spirit of God within us, and we just learn how to listen to him. And the Spirit of God within me said, Scott, do not withhold good from Dawn because it's in your power to do it. And I simply said to her, I can do that.
2: Now, having said
1: that, we left yesterday. There was a little bit of a fire going, and I thought, ooh, that's going to unsettle her. her
2: It was more than a little bit. I didn't say anything. (laughs) When you built it, I was like, that's definitely not going to go out. (laughs) If the house burns
0: down... But there was wisdom in the way that you said what you needed to say to him. It unsettles me when we leave. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, instead mm-hmm. of saying it makes me upset yeah. when you leave a, f-, you know, more, yeah. rather than being accusatory, it was.
1: Yeah, that's uh, right. Because yeah. yeah. you statements like that can put us on the defensive, mm-hmm. whether it's intended to or not. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Yeah. But I will say, yes, he did leave a fire in the fireplace yesterday I morning. Know it. I but that's not his norm anymore. Right. No. You know, and so. When we make sort of adjustments like that, after somebody has made a request, then we have to give grace yeah. into the situation a little bit, and I just have to trust the Lord. Well, mm-hmm. if my house burns down. He's Lord, been trying. He's been doing like, a good job. Yeah. Just protect this I've house, done please. done it for two years. And He's done such a good job <laughs> I'm not leaving that fire, you, please. It's please. funny. Please we hadn't it. even <laughs>
1: talked about this, but when we left Emily yesterday to come to the office, I'm like, Lord, please don't let her see that. Please don't <laughs> let her see that. <laughs> standing still still standing be protected Mm.
2: well let's continue talking a little bit because we mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts about um having a, a culture of honor in the home or a culture of dishonor of evaluating what really is the culture like in our marriage and in our home um and and if you sort of look at it and go you know what we we could improve on this how do you actually change the culture in the home by just simply the language and that is used in that home, and so we want to talk about that from here on because we really do believe you can change culture in your in your marriage and in your home to be one where uh, where everybody feels safe and where everybody can thrive and they feel encouraged and loved and accepted uh, in your home. But you have to understand an, a very important principle that is in scripture that we don't get to opt out of. So if you can kind of think of really God has established principles in this universe like like the principle of gravity. We don't get to opt out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just get to say, "Well, I don't think I'll participate in gravity today." <laughs> you know. <laughs> we don't get we don't get to do that. And the same is true with some principles in scripture, relational principles. And one of the relational principles between us and God is this relation is this principle of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. And it comes from Galatians Uh, chapter 6 and I'm going to begin reading in chapter Um, 7 and it says do not uh, I'm sorry yeah chapter 6 verse 7 thank you do not be deceived God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Mm-hmm. Therefore as we have opportunity to let to opportunity let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. So this principle of sowing and reaping is a principle of relationship between us and God. Mm-hmm. That God is saying uh, you know I'm not going to let you thumb your nose at me this is a principle you can't opt out of because it's an important principle I've put into play into the world so that you can experience consequences of your actions so that you won't repeat those actions again and in regard to our words when we plant these um, seeds by our words if we're uh, implanting angry or hurtful words it's going to bear a a harvest Mm -hmm. we're going to reap a harvest from that Mm -hmm. that we have to eat that we have to actually sit down to that table of rotten fruit Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we have to eat it Um, God's not going to let us opt out of and just go to the good fruit so Mm -hmm. when we've been sowing some bad fruit then we're going to have to to uh, bear the responsibility of cleaning up that mess a little bit, and we do that through the process of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We need we have to go back to each other. We're going to talk about forgiving in, a little bit more. But if at the very beginning of changing the culture in our relationship, we have to go and say, "I've I have I've done wrong here. I've 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 let my mouth mm-hmm. um, say some things that are hurtful to you, and I'm sorry about yeah. that. And I want and I'm asking your forgiveness." And from that, being able then to start to plant some good seed that's going to bear some good fruit. So we want to examine these laws of sowing and reaping a little bit to understand now how to change that culture. So one of the deceptions of of this law of sowing and reaping, one of the things that keeps us from doing it is that one of the deception is that I I can say something bad and get a good result. And we talked about that earlier just in using manipulative words or nagging words that I can use those words and get a good result. But the truth is when we do that, we just undermine the safety and trust factor in our own relationship. Mm -hmm. We sow those seeds of nagging and manipulation. And actually we get this fruit of distrust mm -hmm. um, back on us that that we're not reliable in what we say because we've been manipulative in how we have talked to one another. Mm So we somehow we feel like we can say mean and hurtful things and get a good result from them, from that other person. And we actually can't. can't. Yep. Deception mm-hmm. number two, that we can say something good and it won't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not true either. Mm-hmm. God's word promises a good result if we will not grow weary in doing yeah. good. That when we learn to say what we need to say and to sow good seed, if we're patient... <coughs> and wait, and believe God, and have faith, then we will reap a good harvest.
1: Let me say something to that real quick. Um, if you're in a relationship where there has been months, maybe even years, of sowing bad seed with one another, I, I want to encourage you, where where Paul said in verse 9 of Galatians 6, to not grow weary. You can begin the process of sowing good seed now, but as Dawn said, you're you're still reaping what you have sown previously. So you may get discouraged at times and say, well, gosh, Scott, I have been sowing good seed, good words into my partner for the past several weeks, maybe past several months, and it doesn't appear to be making a difference. What you're having to do, you're having to rebuild trust. Okay. And so I just want to encourage you, don't grow weary in that process. Continue to do the right thing simply because it's the right thing, not because of the results that you get from it. Mm -hmm. If you're doing the right thing and not getting the result that you desire does not mean that it's not the right thing. Sometimes we just have to do the hard work of paying the price, if, if we want to put it in that vernacular, mm-hmm. paying the price for the seed that we have sown previous.
2: Right. Ultimately, we don't, we don't ultimately pay the greatest price. Christ paid the greatest price for us. But we do have to shoulder the consequences. Mm-hmm. And what we find in, is that a lot of people, they don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to do that mm-hmm. for as long as I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Pride sort of has its way of of sneaking in and going, you know what, I don't really have to do that. I've I've tried for a little mm-hmm. while. I don't really have to keep doing that. I don't see any good results, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, but to truly change culture then we have to be committed to doing what we need to do, what, what God asks of us for as long as we yeah. need to mm-hmm. do it. And he provides a sustaining power to yes. be able to keep us in there and doing right. that. It's not something we'll be able to do in yeah. our own strength. Yeah. That's, right. That's yeah. something that God provides mm-hmm. for us. So you're going to reap what you sow, and you're going to reap more than you sow. If you think about um, a seed, a seed that is planted, um, when it grows like a like you know like corn one kernel of corn planted into the ground um it it reaps a harvest of not just one cob that has a bunch of kernels mm-hmm. but a whole stalk yes. that has several cobs that has tons of kernels and so you're going to get back more than you actually so so when you are sowing your way out of a difficult season, just know that there, it's going to bear more, much more fruit than the little seed that you planted. Yeah. Uh, and, and will help be the rewarding process for actually planting that seed. Mm-hmm. And it just takes time to get there. Mm-hmm. There is a delay between sowing and reaping. So in this culture of immediate results that we live in right now, um, this works against this. We don't want to wait. We don't want the delay. And we don't want the delay sometimes as long as the delay is going to be. But the the truth is the principle that we can't opt out of is that there's a delay between that sowing time and the time that we reap. And so it takes patience and it takes faith in the due season to know that a harvest is going to come. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: So let's look at some of the seeds yeah. now. If we're talking about this this law of sowing and reaping, what would be some of the seeds that our listeners are listening to that says, okay, Scott and Dawn, if I want to sow good seeds into my relationship, what are some of those seeds that we need to sow?
2: Okay, we're going to look at a few of them that we think are important. There's probably a bunch more, but we're, we'll start with timely words timely words proverbs 25 11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver now when we we see that one like i don't you know an apple of gold in i i don't yeah. know what that means but <laughs> you know but in 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 those days you know that would have be been something of tremendous tremendous value mm-hmm. golden apples in these settings of silver um a fine fine pieces of jewelry fine you know just a finery um We might not always know what to say in the moment, but some moments are no-brainers and we can actually prepare for them. So, (laughs) birthdays, um, milestone moments like weddings, anniversaries, um, you know, graduations, Mm -hmm. uh, Valentine's Day. And I know people think that's so cheesy, but, and to some degree it is, but it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. to say something that needs to be Mm -hmm. said. And I I can remember when um, we had a, a marriage conference in. Um, one of the husbands said to Scott, um, I told my wife when we married that I loved her, and if it ever changed, I'd let her know. Oh, my goodness. And so, which we (laughs) thought it was funny, you know, and it was funny because knowing that couple, I know that he loved her a great deal. But still, you know, sometimes uh, we have that attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't necessarily have to say it. They automatically know it. Well, that's not true necessarily. Mm -hmm. So saying those words in in a timely manner are really important. Also, saying words at a time to resolve conflict in a timely manner are important Mm -hmm. you know just in the i could have held on to some of those words about the fireplace and and let it stew Mm -hmm. but that was not the right thing to do The the right thing to do was to address it in a timely manner Mm -hmm. and to say it in a loving way that was important as well um isaiah 50 uh, verse 4 says this um, the sovereign Lord has given me words of wisdom so that I may know how to comfort the weary morning by morning. He wakens me and opens my understanding mm-hmm. to His will. There's this correlation between our relationship with God, time spent with Him and having a word on our tongue at the yeah. proper moment cuz we might not always know what to say mm-hmm. in the moment but our time with the lord prepares us with wisdom for the times when we need need words unexpectedly when when we spend time with him he forms our hearts mm-hmm. and are in tune with him so that in during the day when something comes up and and we need to have a word of encouragement on our tongue he gives it to yeah. us so there is this direct outpouring or this fruit of the time that we spend with him is that we can expect to have a a word uh, fitly spoken in that moment of time when it comes up unexpectedly
1: yeah another one of the seeds we've looked at timely words but another seed that we can sow is what Gary Chapman calls in his book the five love languages is simply words of affirmation he defines words of affirmation simply as expressing affection through words of affection praise and appreciation now you may say well how is that done you want to start with words of praise as dawn has said already in marriage what we're attempting to do is to create a culture of honor and you speak honorably to and about your spouse here's here's a simple thing if you're married and you have children I would just encourage you is you don't put one another down in front of each other or in front of your children. Mm -hmm. One of the practices that we began to do years ago, Dawn alluded in one of our previous podcasts, we we use in our marriage, we have used sarcasm just as a means of humor our sarcasm doesn't tend to get too biting really we we use it as as a way of bring levity to our marriage but we had to learn too that even though we are comfortable with sarcasm we were teaching a class years ago probably 20 something years ago while we were in seminary and we would be sarcastic in the way we were teaching but someone approached me afterwards because they they are a words of affirmation person and even though we were comfortable with our sarcasm they weren't yeah. it, it felt dishonoring yeah. to them the way we were speaking to one another and even though we were comfortable with it we said okay out of honor to this person we want to honor them and so we will we will limit the sarcasm here it's going to create this culture of honor is to speak highly. Of one another. And I'm not saying Emily, I'm not saying it in flowery speech, in, in disingenuous kind of stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But it's basically, it's learning to speak affectionately and with gratitude to your spouse. What it does, it creates a culture of love and acceptance in your home. Mm-hmm. Now you may say, what, "What? give me some examples. A simple I love you. You know, Dawn and I, each night before we go to bed, uh, usually I'm sitting around watching TV or doing something and Dawn will kiss me.
2: You're pre-sleeping.
1: I'm doing my pre-sleep. I'm <laughs> usually, Carolina. yes. I, <laughs> let me just say. Gearing up. Some of the best sleep is pre-sleep. For me, it's usually between 7.30 and 8.30 at night. And yeah, I'm just laying in the recliner and I'm sleeping. And it makes Dawn, It just it's it's miserable to you. You don't like pre-sleep, but I love pre-sleep. Mm-hmm. So you let me pre-sleep. But occasionally you want to take the remote out of my hand if I'm uh pre-sleeping. Yes,
2: because that... If I'm if I don't know that you're pre sleeping, and we're just getting on subject here, but if we don't if I don't know that you're pre sleeping, and I'm watching something that you're watching, I'm not particularly interested in, but I'm watching it because I think, okay, he wants to watch that, and so I need to give him time. You know, we're gonna share this moment. I'm gonna be unselfish and, and whatever. But then when I look over and he's pre sleeping and he's right. got the remote, I'm like, okay, we're not watch this yeah, your we're words not watching are not this always anymore. affirming. <laughs> not in my head. I always say it out like. loud, Scott. Give, give me, me the, the remote.
1: remote. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not the most affirming. Uh, way.
2: And you lovingly and sleepy eyedly give it. Give yeah. me the remote. Or,
1: but we grew up. Our kids grew up in the nineties, Emily, and in that time we we raised them on Barney the dinosaur. You yeah. know, and he was notorious for seeing you know saying please and thank you. They are the magic word. But those are those are very affirming words. It's just. Thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for picking that up. Thank you for, for washing the dishes. Thank you for all those things. It's just showing appreciation for something that your family member or your spouse did for you. It's, it's acknowledging it, you know, because here's the thing, and I'm going to speak to guys. There's a lot of things, if you're like me, and I find this to be true in most guys that I talk to, There are things that you notice about your partner that are good, but you just don't put voice to it. It might be the way she she prepared herself um, for work this morning or the way if y'all were heading off to church this past Sunday and you notice she just really looked good, but you didn't say anything. You noticed it, but didn't say anything. I'm as notorious about this as anything. 'Cause like this morning, I noticed this morning, you you were gave extra attention getting ready. And I'm like, honey, we're doing a podcast. We're not doing a video, but um but you did you you did give a lot of attention to yourself, and, and I appreciate that. And it that. paid off. It paid off. <laughs> it, I'm not sure this is going exactly you, the way you, you wanted no. it to go. Because <laughs> normally
2: you, you don't you. look like you give yourself any attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the next thought.
1: <laughs> That's not Maybe how, the how I. What he meant
2: experience. to say yes. was <laughs> you looked pretty this morning.
1: So listen, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, so.
0: Benji sometimes well not so say, he says this all the time now but the f- first time he said I was kind of like okay but he'll say my love you're so capable and I'm like oh, thank you <laughs> okay what do you mean but he'll tell me all the time and to me that speaks like keep on doing like you're doing a good job like mm-hmm. you know keep on doing what you're doing and mm-hmm. it's, it's encouraging but mm-hmm.
1: no I'm and capable. he listen he, he has <laughs> what is the movie it's um oh gosh it's the one with um Gosh, honey, we watch it all the time. He's he says to her, "You're a woman to love."
2: Oh yeah. Oh, it um, it's complicated. It's complicated. No, no. um, some, something's got to give. Something's got to yes. give. And something's she's like, "What does get. that mean? Mm-hmm. I'm a
1: woman to a love." A woman
2: <laughs> to <do>. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you just decide to put it in the, to frame it as a compliment. I'm t- I'm going to take that. Well, as and he means it. He does. That's right. Well, does. I can tell you, Emily, because Benji and I have talked
1: about it because he talks to me about you in that. In that, what you are capable of, what you do—I mean, what you do for the ministry here—it's—it's it's phenomenal. Your capabilities that you that you bring to the table, how you have expanded what Don and I have attempted to do for years—you've expanded it. Just we never did a podcast mm-hmm. until you came along. Mm-hmm. Well, You're so capable. I
0: certainly didn't mean <laughs> to point that at me. I meant to
1: no, say, good job, right. Benji. You no, did a good right. job. That's, at right. This. that's <laughs> right. That's right. So talk us, to us about gracious words. Amy. Okay.
2: Well, gracious words kind of really fall in line with with the things that you're saying. Um, Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And this word grace means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, loveliness, reflecting on the merciful kindness of god which is mm-hmm. undeserved mm-hmm. so that's really the words that i'm talking about the words that uh don't have to be spoken but they're spoken as a gift mm-hmm. Um and, and you know i know that sometimes we we take for granted uh each other in the home and so we don't we feel like well i don't i, sh- I don't have to say i enjoyed mm-hmm. that meal i don't mm-hmm. have to say yeah. you know you're a good provider i don't have to say those things you know you already know these things but But they're given as a gift to Mm -hmm. that person. They are a grace gift to that person to say, I really do see your capabilities. Mm -hmm. And even though to say to somebody, you know, you're so capable doesn't sound very romantic, but it is very loving. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, a reflection of Benji's heart for you, of appreciation. And to be able to articulate those words is a gift of grace. Now, where is it the most challenging? I would say... It's the most challenging when it comes to these words out of Romans twelve fourteen, which says to bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Mm-hmm. And these are literal, this, this bless part is, uh, is not just verbal, but also action-oriented mm-hmm. as well. That when we're trying to create this culture of, uh, or definitely turn the culture from one of dishonor to one of honor, Grace is important because we're not going to get it perfectly every time. So when somebody and when when Scott says something to me that is hurtful, then a grace gift back to him is I forgive you Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or I know that your heart didn't i know that that didn't really articulate what was in your heart mm-hmm. that's a grace response our typical response is would be well i'm going to hurt you back yeah you know but we have to embrace this uh atmosphere of grace if we want respect to grow in our home or honor to grow in our home mm-hmm. we have to be able to know what gracious words are and then to be able to speak them gracious speech can put us in places of influence. So mm-hmm. gracious speech and flattery are two different things. You know, gracious speech are speaking truthful words that don't have to be spoken but are given as a gift. Mm-hmm. Flattery is really speaking untruthful words mm-hmm. in order to get me to a yeah. place yeah. of uh, of exaltation and to get me where I want to go, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's, two different, that's two different things. So learning how to speak graciously to our partners and to give them those words of encouragement when they need it and not withhold it mm-hmm. is important.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about saying what needs to be said and and sowing seeds that are needed in any relationship if we want to have health and if we want to have a thriving relationship. So we've been talking about timely words. We've talked about words of affirmation. We just talked about gracious words. We want to conclude with this. And this is probably some of the most important because this sets the stage for us. These are words of repentance and forgiveness. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Check this word out. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Dawn and I have noticed in relationships, one of the first virtues that will often leave a relationship when we are becoming complacent when we're becoming indifferent towards one another or even just in a season of routineness, we begin to lose just random acts of kindness to where maybe I would normally go to the kitchen and get me something to drink and I would ask Dawn, honey, can I get you something while I'm in there? I lose that kind of stuff. And when we begin to lose kindness towards one another, our heart can become calloused. It's less tender. It's less... Uh, sensitive to one another. And when our heart becomes callous like that, we can begin to hold grudges. We can begin to be unforgiving. Now, how do, we, how do we counteract that? One of the ways is by simply practicing repentance and forgiveness. Now, you say, how do you do that, Scott? It's very simple. Well, it's not simple. It's simple, but it's hard to do. When we were raising our children um, in the early 2000s, One of the things that we started noticing in our children, especially when they had done things to one another, I might say to one of my children who had said something hurtful, derogatory towards another, I might say to them, Reese, I want you to apologize to Claire. Tell her you're sorry. And he might would say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, we knew, okay, there's not, that's not really a heart of repentance mm-hmm. there. And so we started thinking through, even in our own, between me and Dawn, we started thinking, Emily, how do we better display repentance and forgiveness? And so we came to this. It really needs to be a threefold confession. The first one is me confessing to Dawn, honey, I'm sorry. In essence, it, it is my willingness to acknowledge what I just said to you either wounded you, it hurt you, maybe even you hurt it in a way I did not intend. Mm-hmm. So even if you heard it in a way I did not intend, I'm sorry that you heard it that way. I'm sorry I didn't communicate more clearly. If it was something that I intended to say to her in a hurtful way, I would say, I am sorry. Secondly, I would say, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was wrong gets to the level of our willingness to humble ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because James teaches us this, that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, and I find this, when I am willing to humble myself before dawn to admit I was wrong, she is a lot more likely to give grace to me than if I just become a stubborn cuss and won't admit my my fault. So we say, I am sorry. Secondly, we say, i was wrong and then third will you forgive me in essence we're putting it in their court then are you willing to grant to me the forgiveness that god has given you through christ ephesians 4 32 that he has given me and i will tell you this has been huge for us when we've dealt not only with one another but with other family members or friends when we have thought through okay Who am I to withhold forgiveness from this person when I know what God through Christ has forgiven me of? It's a little presumptuous when you think of it that way. And so we're really thinking through words of repentance and forgiveness. Now, here's some prayers that you can pray for one another as you're thinking about this. You want to pray first and foremost a prayer for your spouse. And as Dawn said earlier, these, these are not prayers of manipulation. These are prayer, gracious prayers of, Lord, I pray that your kingdom come, your will would be done in my partner's life here on earth as it would be in heaven. We're talking Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Second thing that I can do there, guys, is not only to pray for Dawn, but to pray with Dawn. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to speak to the men for just a moment. I will say to you, if you're listening, men, I want to say this to you, not your your wife has security in knowing that you're praying for her. But I would say she has even greater security when you are willing to pray with her. And this I will say, men, this will take a a position of humility, because sometimes We are like, man, that's so uncomfortable, Scott. I don't want to do that. Or it's awkward. Or she remembers what I said to her the night before. And how can I pray with her now? Well, this is what I do know. Dawn and I cannot pray for one another and or with one another and still have um, unrepentant sin towards each other. We, we cannot pray for one another and with one another and still hold a grudge with one another. So it's a great way to begin bringing down these walls that may have been built up with us. So we pray for our spouse. We pray with our spouse. And then we pray with faith-filled community for our marriages. This is where Benji and Emily and y'all's community group On Tuesday night or when y'all meet, you're actually praying, you're in what we call interceding for one another. Those are powerful prayers. Mm -hmm. This is the beauty of James 5.16 where James says it this way. Confess your sins to one another. And he says this, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. There is a great correlation and connection between the confession of sin, me confessing sin to Dawn, she to me, and even in the context of community. Y'all pray for me and Dawn this week. We are struggling in this area. There's power in that as we confess it and have others Pray for us. Mm-hmm.
2: The most powerful words that we can speak in our marriages is prayer and God's Word. Yeah. And when we put those two together, um, the potential for uh, transforming our homes and our marriages into places of honor and uh, um, love and where marriage can really thrive just dramatically increases. We, uh, we can do all the... All the things that we talked about before, just Mm -hmm. in in the kind of words. But I mean, if you really want to kick this thing into high gear, learn to pray uh, and learn to pray God's word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite passages of scripture comes from Isaiah 55, Mm -hmm. verses 10 through 13 that says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to be empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Again, mm-hmm. we see this principle of sowing and reaping right here, of understanding that when God's word is sown into our li- into our hearts, and it bears fruit in our relationship then there is this thriving environment where joy and peace exist and i think that's what we long to have in our marriages we want play we signed up for relationships that have joy and that are peaceful that are thriving that are productive that's what we want Um, But our sin nature, our flesh kind of gets in the way of all Mm -hmm. that and kind of bulldozes it a little bit and sort of wrecks the dream a little Mm -hmm. bit. But God promises a different result if we'll begin to practice the sowing and reaping principles that he put into place, particularly in prayer and in God's word. Yes.
0: Awesome. Scott and Dawn, thank you guys so much. Um, This is a good series, Train Your Mouth for Marriage or for Life. I mean, just train your mouth. It's Mm -hmm. good. Um, So if you haven't had a chance to listen to these sessions, just encourage you to do so. Um, You won't regret it. Good practical wisdom from God's Word that they've done a nice job of putting it down onto paper and into a lesson. So we hope you'll tune back in for the next episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast.